you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hello, and welcome to the NFL Players Podcast. I am Aeneas Williams. It's a pleasure to have former wide receiver Mark Patterson back with us on the podcast. For those unfamiliar, Mark Patterson is an NFL legend, an entrepreneur, currently an executive at Sports Illustrated, and one of two former NFL players to ever scale the seven summits. If you'd like to hear more about Mark's story, pause here and check out episode 71 on NFL Players Podcast entitled Rescheduling Everest. Today, Mark is here to discuss the last leg of his seven summit journey, the ascent of Mount Everest, and what life has been like ever since. Let's listen in. Mark, the last time we had you on the podcast was May of 2020. You were set to complete your seven summit journey with Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world, at 29,032 feet. However, the world got under siege by COVID. Everything changed. You didn't plan it. You share with us how the pandemic forced you to postpone the climb for an entire year. Fast forward to May of 2021, it's go time. You're on the precipice of ascending lucky number seven. I remember last time on our podcast, you touched on how important visualization is. Take us into your head. It's you and Everest now. Help us to see what you see. Well, Aeneas, thank you for being on the pod. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, a lot's going on since we last talked. And you're right, visualization is so much of it. And until you get up to, you know, the, the death zone, camp for 26,500 feet, it, it's just a test of nothing else of just endurance, right? And that's something I didn't quite factor in in all this Uh uh, I think the the biggest surprise for everybody is how long you're on that mountain. I was up there for two months. That's a long time to be somewhere at 17,500 feet. We'll start there, uh, working our way up to base camp, which is at that uh, that altitude. Every night, going to bed in sub-zero temperatures, climbing into a sleeping bag, sleeping on ice, sleeping on rocks, always going into that sleeping bag with a beanie, gloves, full parka, you know, things on your on your on your legs to keep yourself warm socks and then climbing out and and you're not eating at the most gourmet restaurants up there uh, in addition to that uh this was literally every day we had avalanches coming down on us and you know the first week um it, it's terrifying you know you run out of your tent like where are you going to go where are you going to hide and and uh and after about a week of that, it's just you realize there's no place to run. There's no place to hide. And so you just stay in your tent. And, like, if you get hit, you get hit. And that's just the way it is. And then, you know, as you as you get into the ice fall, uh, which is called the Kumba ice fall, 
it is a, this is now coming right out of Everest Base Camp. It's 2,000 feet straight up from 17.5 up to 19.5 to Camp 1. And it's, it's literally straight up. And you're dealing with these gigantic 30, 40 foot ice walls, ice columns that are constantly collapsing. I had to go through that thing six times. And uh, every single time I went through it, uh, it was a new route. Uh, it was a new route because it's a glacier and a glacier means it's a frozen river. And because it warms up during the day, uh, all these ice columns and big rocks and everything else come down on you. And so, you know, you're navigating through, a lot of people get hurt, a lot of people get killed. Um, I fell off a ladder uh, backwards, hit my head, uh, surprised, lucky that, you know, something worse didn't happen. And then, and then you know, the, the just kind of the unknown, COVID hit camp up there big time. It knocked a lot of expedition parties off. And then we had two cyclones to deal right. with. So when you and I talked again in 2020, right, we weren't talking about cyclones. We weren't, well, we were talking about COVID, but I think we all thought it would be over by then. And I wasn't talking about avalanches coming down and ice falls collapsing and falling off ladders and climbing up 60 foot ice, wall, uh, ice, ice walls. It, these were all things that, because I didn't have that experience on that mountain, it was just all new for me. And I had to go through that and mainly get my head around that. But Mark, you mentioned early on, you say you were surprised. You say you know about the endurance and those things. You hadn't experienced this mountain, but other people had. So I know you did your homework. What was the biggest surprise? It's just, it's just a different deal. You know, it's just like, you know, we're, we're, we're talking ball, you know, in terms of this is what this pod is about, you know, ex-former players coming on and chatting with you. And, you know, I, I spent a ton of time. I've, I literally saw every YouTube video there was, you know, to see, to really scout it out. But until you're in it and you feel that small and you'd always seen it and, and you see it in movies, you've seen it on TV shows and you've seen it on this YouTube video, it's just a different deal. Just like when you're playing the NFL as a kid, you're watching it on the field. But till you get out there, right, and they blow the whistle and you kick off and run down and you get whacked by somebody like you, it's a different game, right? right. Like, wow, welcome to the NFL. You know, that's, that's the type of thing. So what, what did you learn through it now looking back? Tell me this experience. Yes, we had it in football. It's nothing like until you get on the field. Yeah. What life lesson have you taken just from this aspect of it of what we're talking about? Well, I mean, getting back to you, I, I think if, to me, it ties back in your first question. Like, you know, you, you get up there and you're ready to, to, to take that on. And, you know, we are, we, it was very tricky in terms of us even getting into that position. And so what it took is a, a heck of a mindset, you know, to make sure that this thing could actually happen. And I had trained um, extremely hard, mostly here in Sun Valley, Idaho at 6,000 feet and going up and down the mountain and going up and down the mountain to train my body. And I had to tap in at the end of the day, I had to tap into all those chits I'd put in the bank. And so having a very strong mental um, mindset of being able to overcome everything. And what happened to me when I set out at 1230 in the morning on May 23rd, 45 days ago, was we had a strong wind blowing left to right with all these ice particles and I wasn't wearing the right kind of, of, of eyewear and I ended up getting snow blind in the first hour. Okay, so that was number one. Number two is I, I hadn't been eating really anything in the previous 36 hours because we thought we'd be summiting around the 20th. And so I had run out of food. 
and we're eating this freeze-dried stuff that is like sawdust with hot water on, and my system just didn't take well to it. So I was whatever I was putting down was coming back up. So I was running on very little energy. And and you just can't underestimate how steep going from 26,000 up to 29,032 feet is. And so the entire time, it's just a the steepest ladder you can possibly manage. And it's just a grind. And I was just not on my game on that particular day. And and where that um, a snow blindness really kicked in, which was very difficult, is as you get to the top third of the mountain, you're going through something called the Hillary Step. A lot of famous things have happened up there. And as you're reaching down to try to clip in uh, your carabiner, which is attached to your waist on this harness, to a fixed line that is tied to the mountain, um, that, that was hard enough because of my depth perception, but there's also five other ropes laying there too from past expeditions that are frayed and cut. And so if you don't tie into the right line, you know, you could find yourself 12,000 feet straight down. You're looking at Tibet, you know, down the other side. Not to mention I'm stepping over dead bodies, you know, and one of which was my tent mate um, in Antarctica, Don Cash. And so I was fighting like all these different elements of going and I just kept saying, you know, I just keep going, keep going, don't quit, don't give up. There's so many people out there like my daughter, both my daughters, but my daughter Amelia, who has epilepsy and she's gone through so much. And if she doesn't quit, I'm not going to quit. And so it became just a complete battle of trying to get myself off that mountain in one piece. So we know you prepare physically, but yeah. I'm hearing you, how you were able to continue to go in. You had self-talk. How did you practice the mental part of it? You know, and I really believe this, that it goes back to, for me, you know, there was no other football player up there. And then I'm in a, a small club of, of people have actually pulled this off as being a former NFL guy. But but I really believe is from my preparation, what my coaches taught me back in the day, my Hall of Fame coaches from, from Tom Flores, you know, uh, Jim Moore Sr., Don James, my college coach, and others about what it takes to excel on the field, to keep going, to don't quit no matter what. Um, and that's really what I had to tap into. And like I said, I don't think I would have got there if I hadn't prepared my body to go to depths that I didn't know I even had, right, to pull this up. And the other thing I didn't tell you too is when you're at 26,000 feet plus, it's called the death zone for a particular reasons because you're 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 actually you're you're dying. Your body is going backwards, and and uh, I had run out of oxygen on the mountain, and so this is coming down at about twenty seven five, and I literally was gasping for air trying to get back. And then even once I got back and I got a new tank uh, at because I spent the night at twenty six thousand five hundred through a series of mishaps, I ended up spending the entire night with no oxygen. And I was hallucinating. I was going through all kinds of stuff. And then I ended up going down the mountain by myself, which wasn't supposed to happen. And it's the steepest of the steep that you can possibly imagine. So this is where a lot of times people die is when they are coming back down the mountain because you're so fatigued and you're, you're not checking in with yourself. You're not clipping in and people fall over and they just can't make it. And you know, I, I tell you, I, I've never been to that edge before. And there's not many times, at least in my life, where I was, I was saying, today is not the day that Mark dies. I've got to keep going. Today is not the day that Mark dies. And I don't know. I mean, I've never said that to myself, but it happened to me coming down that mountain. So, Mark, I have a gigantic question for you. 
Why? <laughs> that's a great question why i know a lot of people you know look i've always been i've always set some some big goals you know in in from 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 going and playing at, at washington and, and and it really taught me to think big especially when i hit the nfl and l davis and and playing with the raiders and seeing how big big business works and like you can do and i and i kept asking myself like, why not me? Why can't I be the guy to be the starting wide receiver? Why can't I make the NFL? Why can't I be an executive for Sports Illustrated? Why can't I climb Mount Everest and these other six mountains? I got there. I don't know if you remember this, but when we originally talked, I think you asked the question, like, how did you get into climbing and why? You know, and, and the reason was because I was going through a tough time. And look, we all go through rough patches. And, and the only thing after being stuck in this place for a couple of years that I could find myself out of it was put the biggest goal I could possibly think of. And I wanted to do something athletic because I'd always right. stayed active. And so I said, can I play in the NFL still? <laughs> and the answer was no. And they wouldn't let me back in. And so growing up in Seattle, Washington, you, you I'm sure you played up there many right. times and you've got Mount Rainier out there and all these mountains around. And I, I so I'd grown up with a lot of legends that had, had uh, summited many of these mountains around the world, including Mount Everest. And I, I typed in the computers, any NFL player ever climbed the seven summits? I said, I'm going to be that guy. And it really helped me pull myself out of that dark place and into the light and through nature, just calming me and, and all the gifts have come. Um, I mean, many, many gifts, non-financial, but many gifts uh, in terms of what this journey has meant to me. So that's the reason why I got into it. So you're going through a challenging time of your life and your antidote is to do something enormously physically challenging mm -hmm. that yeah. that was your thoughts yeah it was my thoughts because I, I i just i had to distract myself with something i could get really excited about and i had to step into the fear and do something that i'd never done before I'd never done high altitude mountain climbing i didn't know anything about it i didn't even know where to start and so by putting my energy in that you know, I, there's this whole saying that uh, where your where your uh, focus goes, your energy always follows. And so my energy, all of a sudden, my focus went towards something right. I was really excited about, like what was going to happen. And then it just took me into this whole new world of meeting people. And now I've been literally all over the globe. I've been on seven continents, the seven summits represent the seven highest peaks. I've been in the most extreme conditions. I thought when I originally started this, Aeneas, that it'd be seven summits, seven years, but I didn't factor in mother nature and COVID. Right. Um, in 2017, I was knocked off uh, uh, Denali, which is the highest mountain up in, in North America on, in Alaska by minus 80 degree weather. And so again, it's just like the grit that you gotta have to come together and sleeping and being really uncomfortable, um, you know, and suffer. Um, is this something I came down and I said, I can't quit this goal, can't quit this goal. So 2018, I came back and I was able to summit it. And then just like when we talked in 2020, I was all set to go. And then the whole world, as you know, shut right. down one by one. And I put so much into this one goal. It'd be like, you're going to play in the Super Bowl and now the Super Bowl gets canceled. So what are you going to do? And it's just, I, I reset my mind about a week later and said, you know what, I'm going to create an opportunity out of this disappointment. And I'm going to train even harder for what this is going to be. And that's what I did. And, you know, here I sit now in this place of having just come off Mount Everest, which, you know, I look back on it and I just, I, I pinched myself because I was so much of it just had to do with luck. 
of the weather because we had this cyclone that hit us on the wow. before and after that we came off the mountain. So, Mark, when, oh, man. What was it like facing death? You could have died. What's, what? Tell us. Yeah. I was the last person up on that mountain, and I was the last person to come off. I was the only person. I was the last person on that mountain. I was the last person standing on top of that world. It was just me, and I had a Sherpa. And my Sherpa was couldn't understand English, number one. And so I had a hard time communicating. I had this eye issue that I couldn't see. And um, number two, he was in a big, big time hurry to get back down the mountain because that he had plenty of energy and he was doing great. And I just was having, I mean, we all bonk, you know, at certain times and that's what happened to me. And I was, uh, I was a part of a, a charity program that I'm involved with here in, in some valley um, called Higher Ground. And it's a big, big fundraiser and got up in front of everybody. And honestly, it was like PTSD to a certain extent because I showed this photo of me up on top of the mountain. And then I was talking about what that was like right. to try to get off the mountain, right? Because people say, what's it like when you get on? And, you know, you think you'd be up there like you just scored a touchdown and hands in the air. And I was like, good God, now I got to go all the way back down. And I felt alone out there. And, um, you know, it it, it, it it was very emotional for me. And in front of all these people, you know, I, I, I shed some tears and, and, and it's like this, still this connection between fighting for my daughter um, and, and knowing that she wouldn't quit because she has epilepsy and my survival of now I got to figure out how to get all the way down. And, you know, I really framed it up because at the end of the day, I actually failed on my goal. My goal was on that particular day was to climb Mount Everest, come down, crawl, crawl in my tent and then go back up and climb Lodzi, the fourth highest mountain in the world. And as I was coming down that mountain and I was facing, you know, no oxygen, I was sliding on my butt down the mountain, um, trying to get back to base camp. And I was just like, if I do that mountain, I will for sure die. And I had to go back to the original goal, which is just, you know, Everest is the prize. Lotus is just to throw in. But I had to like, my ego had to cough that up and say, you know, there's other things out there that are more important, like my kids and the girl I'm with and my, my, my mom and, you know, my friends. And I felt so much love and support out there from all the people that were that were coming in on Instagram and other places and rooting me on when I'd seen those things, you know, a week before. But I just felt like, you know, that was that. And it's just a mad, it's just amazing that when you are faced with you, if I lay down right now and I don't keep moving, um, uh, I'm gonna die. And I, I gotta tell you this, 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 this great quote I heard from Martin Luther King that 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 just really moved me and he said um if you can't fly then run if you can't run then walk if you can't run walk then crawl but whatever you do keep moving right. and that is the one thing that i just no matter what i knew if i laid down and just like let me just take a 10 minute nap you know i'd never come down that mountain so i mean it was it was real it was real which was harder going up or coming down that's a great question. They were they were both equal to me because going up was so steep and I had no energy. I mean, I was only I was I was existing on these small little candies. That was it. Going and I was out there in the for 18 hours. I mean, think about like for as football players, right. you know, we're not endurance athletes necessarily. We we go on, we're sprint guys, right? 
you know, you're a DB. I was, I was a receiver. And so it's 40 yard dash. And then you come back and you reset 40 yards and you reset, but 18 hours for anybody is a long time to be exposed, especially at the top of the world. And getting up there was just like all I could do. And then getting down just, it seemed like it became even harder because I was out there for all that time. And the only fortunate thing for, of that day is that the weather had been awful uh, for the month of, of May, except for that day. And the day after the 24th, the cyclone hit again and dumped another four feet of snow. So the amount of luck that had to play in, like if the cyclone had hit and then we would have been back into an in the thin air situation where it was the superstorm that came in and the condition I was in, I doubt I would have made it off. You doubt you would have made it off. Yeah. I'm thinking of guys who play in the National Football League legends. If we would, uh, if, if our careers would be getting to the top, yeah. I'm hearing some kind of connection to how guys feel when they finish playing going mm. down. That's Any point yeah. comes to mind as you hear me connect those two? Just as you were telling a story, that's what was going through my mind as far as a legend. Yeah, you know, you're you actually you're really insightful. Nobody's asked me that question, but I think I, I want to first say I want to credit the trust um, and all the people involved at the NFL for the programs they have developed today. Which, as you know, many many years ago when I came out in 1990, there were no programs. You just went off the cliff, and um, and so again. I was on that cliff, right? And for two years, I was lost. And as I was coming down that mountain, you know, I felt lost because my shirt had left me and I was the only one up there, you know, coming down. And it's a scary feeling because it is straight down and any mistake you make, it's over. And not just to me just falling over and, 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 and dying like my tent mate from 2019 when he died up there, um, but, but just avalanches. Um, you don't clip in and you trip, you know, you're done. There's all these variables that come into it. You know, just the, the air alone, you, there's something when you get up to that altitude called cerebral, which is your brain edema and pulmonary, which is your lungs edema. And it's where, because you're at such high altitude and you have hardly any oxygen, your brain or your lungs swell. And that's why I got so lucky on that particular night. Um, when I spent the night, they could, the a Sherpa came in about 10 o'clock and said, you know, is everything Okay. I said, I, I, I ran out of oxygen. He goes, well, we ran out. You can't have any. And I'm like, they, they hadn't, but that's what he told me. I, and, and I don't know why he told me that, but that's what he told me. So I spent the entire night. So just the fact that, forget the mountain and everything we've been talking about, just the fact that I survived, you know, another 10 hours in my tent with no oxygen was a miracle, you know? And so going back to your question, I was lost for a couple of years um, and trying to struggle and find a way and find a way and find a way. But what I did find is that you just can't give up. You got to keep going no matter what. And that's what I did, whatever it was, 20 plus years ago. And that's what I did, you know, 45 days ago. It was just, I can't give up. I got to just keep going. After you did the challenges, you mentioned early on, you said, because a dark time I was going through. Yeah. Once you created these challenges and you began focusing on these mountains, did it give you clarity to be able to deal with the darkness that precipitated this? 
Yeah, it sure did, and that's another fantastic question. And and it 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 you know at first you were going through the pain and how am I going to go forward and and what it was I was going through a painful divorce. And so I know a lot of guys that are listening to this pod either have friends or themselves have gone through this. And so for me it was tough to break up the family and everything. But you know ultimately I got over that and moved forward. And there's this funny little thing called perspective. And as I got traveling around the world and I started getting involved in, in, in various charities, the first one was with Chris Long. And I was in the first class of Water Boys. And so I went down to Tanzania and we went into the, the, the Serengeti, um, which is the desert down there in, in Tanzania and, and visited the people of, of the Maasai tribe. And it, it's just so interesting that, you know, they're one of the poorest countries in the world and they have so little, their currency is a goat, yet they're one of the happiest people I've ever, ever been around. And then I just experienced the same thing with uh, in Nepal with all the Sherpa, all these Nepalese people, you know, they make their, they're, I mean, I think they're lucky if they pull in, you know, six to $10,000 a year total. Right. And yet they are so happy and they're so grateful. And every time you say anything to them, they're so, you know, there's, they're so loving and kind and, and you know the, the audience can't see this, but I've got these um, these cords around my neck, and I was blessed twice by by these holy lamas that were were granting safe passage and blessings to me to make it up and down, you know Mount Everest, and it, it's just such an enduring thing. So you know, to your question, yeah, I thought I was in over my head, and how could I ever survive this and all this stuff when I was going through my bad patch? When with a little bit of perspective, I was going. Well, I might be going through a kind of rough patch, but I got it way better than a lot of these other people, right. you know, throughout the world. Yeah, what the other thing I'm hearing when you got in your tight spots, you were not the only person going up the mountain. Sound like it was your oh. daughter. It yeah. was other people as well that you were thinking about. Tell me about that. I had to, as a as a this this, I mean, this was going in both directions, but I could only go like 10 steps at a time. So I go, okay, give me 10 steps. And I go 10 steps. And then I sit there on one knee and rest for another couple of minutes. I go, okay, Amelia wouldn't quit. So I got to take another 10 steps. So I go another 10 steps and then rest on another knee for another couple of minutes. And I go, my other daughter, Claudette, I go, Claudette would never quit. She needs me. Go another 20, 10 steps. And, and it, it, I just did the same pattern over and over and over and over and over for 18 hours. And it seems crazy, but I just, you know, you, you, you're not talking to anybody. You're all alone out there. I've got a Sherpa who can't communicate in English and he's just in a rush to get up and get back down. And so it's just me. Like I had to self-motivate myself through mentally, this mental gymnastics, mm -hmm with all these people. And I was going through all the categories, the cousins, the mom, the, you know, daughters, all these people. And it was just that the supply was endless. And like I said before, it was amazing to, to see and feel all the support that I received mostly on Instagram. Um, I mean, people by the hundreds coming in to support the journey and whatever I said or how, however I was saying it, they really seemed to identify with, like this challenge and this this new big challenge and and the plight I was going through from not taking showers for you know a week or two and you know I, I never saw myself I didn't see myself for really for two months um, in terms of looking in the mirror right. just all those those normal things that you 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 have you know they'll go away and so it just it really meant a lot to me to have all that support. 
that at any point you think about quitting. Let's just, that's enough. What's going on, Mark? No, that's it. I'm finished. You never had any thought like that? You know what? I don't go into anything ever with any kind of a, I guess, um, having the idea that I'm going to quit. I, that, that's, that's impossible to me. You know, like there isn't anything that I ever go in like, maybe I'll make it, maybe I won't. I mean, if you say that to me, it's done. I go into everything with the confidence that I'm going to get it done. And if there's detours and there's always detours that come in and I had plenty of detours and obstacles that hit me on that day, we're going to figure out a way to get around it. But whatever you do, just keep going. And this has served me well for business and it served me well for my relationships. And it's certainly worked for, and things don't always go, you know, it's, it's, it's rainbows and butterflies. I totally get that. But it's just, to me, if you go into these things like half-ass, then you're probably going to get a half-ass result. And I saw this in terms of full commitment. And that's really the, 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 the response that, that, you know, that comes to mind. And, and we had, you know, there's 21 guys in our expedition party that started this and only 10 made it to the top. So that's over 50, 50% of the people did not make it. And there was probably three or four in that group that were very, very wealthy individuals mm -hmm. that had the ability to say, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to go back and eat New York steak and have a beer and wine and, you know, which like would be normal. Right. I totally get that. But I don't think they were like, they came into it with a hundred percent committed, right? They came in, maybe they're, they're 80%, maybe they're 70%, but they weren't hundred percent committed. And so that choice of being able to take a helicopter, fly off the mountain, was right there for them, which they actually did. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's all in, full commitment, ready to go. And Mark, here's why I asked. Uh, Mike Tyson said when he was fighting at, at his peak, he said, yeah. everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's yeah. what made me ask, once you went through, I know what the plan was. I know what your mental preparation was. I'm talking about once yeah. you're blind. Like my final yeah. question, what was it like to be blind? Well, I'd never been blind before. I'd never experienced that. And I did get punched in the mouth, as Mike Tyson right. you know, put right. it. And, and I, well, as a matter of fact, I got punched in the mouth like 50 times, right? <laughs> and it's daunting and, and like it's real. Like even when I pulled into camp at 26,005 and like, wow, this is barren. And this is not a place you want to spend a lot of time to. I had a dead guy laying in a tent next to me, six feet away, right? Who had died on May 12th um, from exposure. And it's it, oh, I don't boy, know Mark, I mean. Mark, you say that like like I had a dead guy, like he I was yeah. 12, like and then you like moving on. <laughs> you do know a lot of who people are listening when they hear that, that's like, whoa, this guy yeah. is in essence in a graveyard. A lot. He wasn't yeah, well, there's a lot of people in the graveyard up there, and it's daunting. No, 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 no Mark. I'm talking about you. You no, I, 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 pre I, I appreciate your question. What I'm trying to tell you is that as we're sitting here on Zoom talking through this, you know, and to anybody that's listening, if I were listening, I would say, oh, my God, seriously. And when you get up there, there is there is such a mindset of self-preservation because yeah. you're hungry. You haven't eaten. You haven't showered in 10 days. You know, you, you were supposed to be up there three days earlier. The cyclone hit I, at Camp 3 our tents were on a 45 degree slope, yeah. right? We had the avalanches coming down on us. Um, 
you're, you're hungry. And the only thing you care about is yourself. And that's the only way from the time that you get up there. And then you're looking straight up at this daunting, like, okay, this final, this final journey from camp four to the top and back down is going to take everything I got. And so what, what your normal response when you see dead people, like my tent mate up at the, up on the Hillary's step and this guy that was laying next to me, our tent, you know, you have compassion and, and, you know, you feel bad and, 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 and you kind of go through that. And it's just a whole different world when you get up there. And it's just like, it, if you don't pay attention, that's going to be you too. Right. Right. And that's how I picture this is literally when you share that with me, what I saw was like, you were alive in a grave, so to speak, mm. yeah. people, but you were still alive. And that quote with Dr. King, it's like you kept moving. Yeah. No matter what's happened, what you experienced, you kept moving. Man, I want to tell you, I have a few quick hits yeah. on behalf of every legend, all the current players, the league, the owners, whoever, man. I feel like you did it for us. We were Thank you. obviously you did all the work, but to have to know that we have a legend that that climbed the seven. Uh, summits, kudos, man. I got a few quick hits, and then we out. Favorite right. mountain climb of all time, and why? Uh, probably Aconcagua, which is down in Argentina. And uh, that was just fun to be in South America. Um, it was fantastic being in Mendoza. Uh, Mendoza is like the Napa Valley, so that's where all the... Um, a lot of the, the wines come out of, and we just had a great group and I had a great experience and um, made it to the top. It's the first time I've been to 23,000 feet with no oxygen, no supplemental anything. And uh, it was just a really fantastic time. And it was really a time where I was turning the corner in this dark patch that, that I had gone through. Your favorite go-to snack when you had high altitude? Well, I would love to have said it was a cheeseburger because that's what I needed at the time, right? <laughs> that didn't happen. Oh, man, just uh, any kind of bar that will go down. But, you know, that's a hard thing to do because, again, there's all these tricks that come into play. And, and all those bars that you might get at the grocery store, they freeze like bricks. So the whole trick is how do you keep those things moist so they can actually go down your mouth? Take it on a linebacker across the middle. Or taking on elements atop a mountain. Well, listen, I got hit by Ronnie a lot, plenty, and that was not, that was no fun. I think after everything I just went through, I got hit by ten Ronnie lots, and so I'll take Ronnie as he was on the field of the 49ers. Measure twice, cut once, or risk it for the biscuit. What does that say to you? Risk it for the biscuit. Risk it for the biscuit. Yeah. Mark, how can people find out more about you and what it is you're doing? Hey, thanks a lot. You can reach me at markpattisonnfl.com. I've got all my social channels. And something I didn't mention, uh, Aeneas, that is, this is important. The NFL is doing a film of this whole Everest journey. So that is coming out in early September. They've decided to make it the feature program on NFL 360. And hopefully everybody out there can watch and see what I went through. I mean, it's tons of... Of footage. They've interviewed Hugh Millen, a former NFL player, Jim Mora, who's my training partner here, Ed Veaster, who's the world's greatest mountaineer who lives here in Sun Valley. My daughters 
are in it. And so it'll be, I think it's going to be a really exciting piece. Wow. Is there anything that you've experienced on the seven summits that you would like legends to be inspired by that comes to your mind right now? I think the biggest thing for me that I've learned is number one is step into the fear. And we are all fearful of, can I do this or can I do that? I think that's a big, big thing. Right. And then number two is action creates reaction. So, you know, if you don't know which way to go in your stock, um, which I was, um, to take a step and, and, and that step will either lead you in the right direction or you'll meet somebody who'll take you in a different direction, or at least you'll know that that wasn't the right direction, but whatever you do, and we got, we were talking about the Martin Luther King, but you got to keep moving. And that's the biggest key. And then my, my quote that I say all the time, I say to my daughters every day is it takes a little more to make a champion. And, you know, I, I had to train like that. And at the end of the day, that's probably what saved my, my life. Man. Mark, this has been amazing, man. Thank you. Congratulations. It is an honor. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And the best is yet to come. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate all the support from you and the NFL. Wow. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at NFLLegends at NFL.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.